The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Nothing much. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, Snow and ice has moved away, and uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, man. Glad that you survived the uh, uh, apocalypse of winter that moved through uh, the country a couple of weeks ago, uh, you and Sam, uh, two people I know that got hit pretty hard, uh, with the ice and snow, uh, from, uh, about three weeks ago now. So, uh, glad everything's thawed out. You're getting some of this, uh, 75 degree weather this week. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Just tempting everybody, uh, that spring is on the way, but, uh, continue to wear your mask and social distance. Don't get fooled. Of course. Not, <laughs> of course. Never. I don't trust Billy with anything, especially my life. So, yeah. <laughs> know the Score is a part of the CSPN. You can find Know the Score on the web at CSPN.us. You can also find the show through iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio. All you have to do is search for KTS Pod the CSPN. So, while we were gone, some things happened in the sports world. Uh, about three weeks ago on a Friday, getting off of work, hadn't checked my phone all day. And the first thing I see is Tiger Woods in serious condition after a rollover crash in California. Like, what? Is he dead? Because it was like his SUV rolled off a cliff. So, you know, I'm thinking California movies gets to the bottom. Boom. <laughs> explosion. But no, uh, luckily, he suffered only compound fracture in his right leg. Um, He also had surgery to repair his ankle and broken bones in his foot as well. So, um, you know, just a scary situation. Luckily, you know, just a a car, you know, was the only real casualty uh, in this incident. Um, Still don't know kind of what led to it. Um, Apparently, this is kind of a treacherous stretch of road uh, that he was driving on where they've had basically an accident a month where somebody's driven off of this cliff. So, um, yeah, so maybe it was just, you know, early morning or something ran out in front of him. If you do have new cars with all this technology, though, it has a black box in it just like an airplane does. So they'll be able to go back and figure out, you know, if you swerved or, you know, kind of what caused the, the car to go off the, uh, the embankment like that. But, um, Tiger Woods has got a long recovery ahead. Um, hopefully with those compound, with that compound fracture, uh, he doesn't get, uh, any infections, uh, that could lead to more surgeries. Um, if you've seen the Alex Smith documentary, uh, that was, uh, one of the biggest things that he had to fight off was uh, the compound fracture goes through your bones, uh, the bone goes through the skin, and once those punctures can get infected, and then that's a whole different uh, ball game. But uh, apparently so far so good, though, from all the reports that we've been hearing. 
Um, he's moved on to, I think, Cedar Sinai, which is kind of like the, you know, big time Hollywood uh, facility that keeps things pretty much under wraps. So anything that's going to get reported is going to come out from Tiger in his camp. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, his recovery goes well. Um, who knows what this will do for his golf career? Um, you know, he was already kind of trying to get himself back together, um, rehabbing from a back, another back surgery. And now, you know, he's got a whole lot more to to rehab. So I don't know um, if we're going to see Tiger Woods back on the PGA Tour um, after this. But, you know, hopefully uh, he can recover and, and live a healthy and happy life for his kids. Your initial. Yeah, this was, uh, yeah, my, I was, I was at work when it happened, and I was just kind of like, you know, you're, well, you're on the phone in the call center, and you're talking to somebody, and you just kind of had to have that silent gasp, and kind of had to keep your composure and everything. It's like, okay, dude, you know, is he good? What happened? And then all the fact that. as the facts came out and more of the details came into play we then saw that the uh, what's the word I'm looking for we saw that A he was okay which was the primary thing B he had a seat seat belt on which made it a lot more important that seat belt saved lives because the way the car was, had he not a seatbelt on, it would have been over. Right. And and so the main thing right now is just getting as close to healthy as you can for life reasons, not even competitive reasons. And, you know, we want to definitely make sure that he does get the get the recovery he needs, and as you know, full of a recovery as you know he can muster. And with the things he's been through already, this is just another hurdle that he can overcome, and it's not going to be the easiest process. It's a lot difficult, um, but I really believe that he will he'll get back to you know where get to a point where he can enjoy life and as for I want to echo what you said as for like competitive golf wise I don't see that happening and as close as he was to getting back to the Tiger of old uh, we may have seen the last of Tiger Woods. It kind of reminds, kind of reminds you of the Ben Hogan situation in a sense too. You know, I think that was Ben Hogan. That who, is Ben Hogan. Broke his legs, yeah. and car wrecking, and came back and won the Masters. First tournament back out. Yeah, right. So we could see that. And you never know what can happen. It could be that story reincarnated. So uh, definitely. As much as I don't watch golf, I am aware of how the game is played. I am aware of, you know, the big, the big uh, major events and everything. And so to see if Tiger Woods could make some kind of a similar comeback, I may actually have to contribute to 
uh, PGA's ratings and actually helped them out this time. <laughs> uh, we'll shift over to the NFL, where this seems to be the offseason of quarterback empowerment. Deshaun Watson, after meeting with the Texans' new coaching staff, still remains steadfast about wanting a trade. Nothing has changed on his end. He's willing to miss training camp, miss games, take the fines. He just wants to get out of there. So as we get closer to the NFL draft, um, we should start seeing and hearing some more things percolating about Deshaun Watson and uh, his next destination. Um, In an unexpected move, Russell Wilson speaks out about being unhappy with the direction that the Seahawks have been moving in. And then in his own subtle way, opens up uh, talk about him being traded. Um, he said that he doesn't want to be traded, but if he were to be traded, he had a list of four teams uh, that he rattled off. Uh, Chicago, Dallas, Las Vegas, and I forgot who the fourth team was. Um but yeah, so you know Russell Wilson, um, in a in a way, is like a weird play by him because at every turn, Seattle lately has done everything that they that he's wanted them to do. Um, they chose Russell the quarterback over the defense. Uh, they chose they got rid of Brian Schottenheimer. They let Russ cook, and he's still unhappy. So, uh, what do you make of this Russell Wilson situation? I think that a lot of the things that has been going on have been bubbling for quite some time within the Seattle uh, locker room. And by the time, you know, when you've had the Legion of Boom, you've had the breakup of the Legion of Boom, which was really the heart and soul of the Seahawks uh, rise to rise to fame. It wasn't even Russell Wilson. I mean, yeah, he did some electrifying things, but this was at the time this was at the time that the Seahawks were fueled by the defense and fueled by the secondary in particular. Um, so now Russell has matured. They prioritize the quarterback over the defense and the defense started going their separate ways. Richard Sherman left, Cam Chancellor retired abruptly at that. You had Earl Thomas depart after his horrific injury and subsequent middle finger to Pete Carroll. <laughs> uh, you had, you had uh, Brandon Browner who disappeared off the face of the earth after he left, uh, after he left Seattle. Uh, really the two of them made holdovers from that, from that team and from that defense are Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. And, now, you have a situation where he wants to he wants to stay in Seattle, but you want to go to either the Saints, Raiders, Bears, or Cowboys. Oh yeah, the Saints. That's and where it was. Cow- 
Yes. And I mean, do you really? And it's really crazy how Wilson is, you know, all of a sudden looks like he's the pariah in Seattle. Because, you know, I don't know what direction the Seahawks are going to go in. And I apparently neither does Russell. Uh, you can't say it's money related because he's paid. You can't say it's you can't say it's guys around him. I mean, he has a good. He has a pretty. Maybe it's the offensive line. Maybe the offensive line is trash, and you have nowhere to really do anything but run for your life and try to make a throw to DK Metcalf. You got playmakers on the outside. You got Metcalf. You have you have um, Tyler Lockett, who's more of a return specialist, but he's also a receiver. Um, you have well, you had um, you had Greg Olson, but Olson signed his one day with the Panthers and retired. Um, so I don't really. I mean. You want to stay in Seattle, but you're not happy with the direction. So, it's, which is your preference? And then you have these four teams where, I mean, the Bears, you could make a Wilson for a Trubisky trade, which would be stupid on the Bears. I mean, on the Seahawks part, I should say. Um, but that would make the Bears an instant contender. Um, the Raiders aren't moving Derek Carr. They're not they're not gonna deal Derek Carr. And you're definitely not gonna give up Marcus Mariota or get Marcus Mariota in exchange for Russell Wilson. That'd be absurd. The Saints and Drew Brees is literally holding the team hostage on whether or not he's coming back or not. Um he's basically restructured his deal, but he hasn't really formally said I'm leaving the game. So the Saints are in limbo and you could hand the keys over to Jameis, but that probably won't happen because Taysom Hill is probably going to be the preferred option. Nah, I think Um, they're going with Jameis. You think so? I think that's why they didn't play him. Because they didn't want nobody else to see how much how good he was or let him go out there and put something on film and get people coming in and be interested in him. I can see that. I just don't really I think that makes sense, you know. I mean the one thing Jameis can do that Drew Brees has not been able to do in a long time is throw the deep ball. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, Taysom Hill, he's he, even though Jameis is a walking interception, uh, like the man walks around and throws interceptions a lot, but he is a more accurate passer than Taysom Hill. So um, I can see it. I now that I've heard myself and heard your point, I could definitely see them keeping Jameis, but bringing in Russell Wilson. I mean, you could. Trading uh, Russell Wilson for Jameis, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, so that leaves Dallas, which is very interesting because yeah. we're probably going to talk about Dak in a second. 
Um, but that could work in terms of the salaries, the value of both guys, and and a potential and they're two similar quarterbacks basically. Both would have a a um, above average defense on the other side, and and uh, they would have both would have playmakers. So that you could definitely make a make sense of uh, Russell to, for that kind of deal. Yeah, um, I just think that this was more of anything. Maybe see uh, Sierra. Just kind of being fed up with Seattle. Yeah. If you list if you list those places, those are all kind of destination places that a woman like that would like to go to and live for you know her own you know aspirations. You know, right. Chicago is a big city. New Orleans, you know, lots of culture there. Um, mm-hmm. Dallas, you know, big city. Um, and who was the fourth team? <laughs> I'm always getting, uh, Dallas, New Orleans, uh, Dallas, New Orleans, Chicago. Yeah, and then there is a fourth team. Oh, Vegas. Las Vegas. Yeah, so you, you know, the, you know that speaks for itself. So yeah, I, I just right. think it's just a, a matter of maybe Sierra, maybe putting a little pressure on him to be like, you know, I'm tired of this Seattle life. This is a small small pawn for us now we you know we outgrowing this a little bit so as as culture aside new orleans is a smaller pond though but think about for her if this is strictly a sierra thing that would be much more enticing to live in and be a part of and live every day immersed in that culture being from the south right and being from the seat, being from the south, and everything too. So right, right. Uh, we'll speak on Carson Wentz. He got reunited with Frank Wright as the Eagles traded him to the Colts. Uh, hope to resurrect his career. Uh, the Colts uh, still trying to you know replace Andrew Luck after his retirement. Uh, they got a really good season out of Philip Rivers last year, but Philip Rivers decided to take it to the house. So uh, instead of going with uh, Jacoby Brissett, who's kind of gotten a raw deal here in the uh, last two teams he's been a part of, uh, the Colts have traded for Carson Wentz, trying to get his career back on track with Frank Wright, the man who was responsible for his MVP caliber play a few years back uh, that got cut short when he hurt his knee uh, the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Uh, do you think that Frank Wright can resurrect Carson Wentz, or is he just too far Absolutely. Damaged? Absolutely. I mean, this was really the worst year of Carson Wentz's career. And this is literally where everything bottomed out. And you weren't getting along with the coach. Uh, You and Doug Peterson's relationship was, quote unquote, fractured beyond repair. And, And so that's one of the reasons I say that if you're if you're Indianapolis, you make this deal. Uh, you supplement the quarterback position. You know you hate it for Jacoby Brissett because he definitely has not been able to get a fair shot at the starting position. So there's been something coming up that would prevent him from starting. 
So, with that being said, uh, with that being said, it's one of those things where I think that uh, Reich and Wins, they'll, they'll get it going, and then, you know, you may see uh, Carson Wentz, you know, with the deep playoff run with the Colts, and and so they don't have to worry about drafting a quarterback. They don't have to worry about, you know, trying to find somebody for the future. They got somebody who had a bad year, but he was really – that Eagles environment at the end of the day was not the best environment for anybody to uh, flourish in. So getting rid of Doug Peterson and getting rid of Carson Wentz uh, that gives the Eagles a good reset, and that gives Wentz a good reset as well with the familiar face who he gets along with. All right, all right. And then, like you said, uh, the biggest news uh, uh, coming out of the start of free agency, um, the Cowboys and Dak Prescott agreed to a four-year, $160 million contract with a record $126 million guaranteed. So... Uh, Dak Prescott, just like Tony Romo, just like Trey Aikman, he got his money. It took a little bit longer than he probably would have liked, down to the ninth hour uh, by his own um, deadline. But they worked something out. I really thought that Dallas was going to end up with a a Washington Kirk Cousins situation where they're going to let the quarterback, that's probably the best fit for their team, uh, get away from them. And that could, you know, really set them back a few years trying to look, you know, replace that. But they did not do that. They, uh, you know, come to terms with Dak. Um, He gets a lot of money guaranteed. And um, so now it looks like Amari Cooper is going to be destined for the franchise tag. Uh, So he'll be the next one who will clamor about getting his money. But uh, Dallas is now set at quarterback, running back. They've retooled their defense. Um, so Dallas is looking to, you know, get back on track next year. And, uh, this deal is probably going to be real cheap in about three years, uh, after some more guys, um, you know, come up and get some of these bigger deals that are going to trump this. But, uh, your thoughts on Dak, um, you know, gambled on himself and, uh, paid off this week. I think Dak, you know, he bet on himself and... He came up big. Um, sometimes you have to take those calculated risks, uh, whether you're uh, gambling or hooping, and in this case, playing, slinging the pinstead. So uh, even though he got hurt, that's enough body of work for the Cowboys to say, okay, we will give you this money. We trust you with our franchise. You are our guy. And now let's get to the promised land. So. This definitely will be a great. It'd be a great way for not only just to have fun with you know, uh, have fun with uh, your receivers, but. You got the dual threat. He's got the legs. I think he'll recover from his ankle injury nicely. Um, he's a dynamic guy who has a lot of tools. And, you know, I'm all about players getting the money. And, you know, even if it's something that 
He's a head scratcher. Jerry Jones wants to show up that much. Hey, by all means, that first song. Yeah, man. I mean, it's the way that these contracts are moving so fast, they should have just went ahead and signed them two years ago and they wouldn't have had to pay this much. But because they, you know, strung it out, they ended up having to pay more now when they could have paid what seemed like a lot then, but actually would have been a bargain now, you know? So the market for the quarterbacks is constantly going up. So go ahead and if you got one, go ahead and sign him because, you know, by the time you get ready to renegotiate with him, it'll actually be a bargain with the way that this market has moved up so significantly. But some other kind of big notables from um, uh, free agency, uh, the Titans, they've cut Malcolm Butler. Um, It looks like uh, Tampa Bay, they signed Levante David, I think. But Shaq Barrett is still a free agent. Uh, They're trying to work something out to keep both of those guys, but I don't think it's going to work. Um, Let's see. Allen Robinson, he got franchise tagged by the Bears. Uh, There's a lot of talk that maybe they may try to trade him or, um, you know, try to get something for him uh, instead of him letting just go to free agency, but they franchise tagged him. Um, Anything else or anyone else notable uh, that that you saw as far as uh, free agent moves? You might be on mute, Dwayne. Yeah, aside from the uh, these big uh, signings, I think the Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford trade was was a big one uh, because you look at the fact that look at the fact that. Um, Sean McVay and Les Need weren't too high on Jared Goff. They were actually going to give uh, John Wolford a backup uh, chance for the starter's job. But then uh, they made the deal with Detroit to uh, send Goff back into the the Lions for uh, Matthew Stafford. So that, that deal really caught me off guard, but it was something to definitely something to be intrigued about yeah i think that's gonna be a a very interesting um situation kind of like um what you got going on with carolina where it looks like now the panthers and teddy bridgewater for at the moment are going to try to maybe work something out doesn't look like the panthers are going to be able to pony up enough to pry away uh deshaun uh, watson from houston uh so you know you have to do like that 180 all of a sudden so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see if Jared Goff can kind of do a 180 with Detroit where he feels like maybe this coaching staff will be a little bit more behind him and, uh, you know, do some things that, that he does well, extenuate those things. And, uh, yeah, it be very, very, very interesting to see how uh, Matthew Stafford uh, responds with the team with this much pressure uh, to be good and him at the quarterback. He's never really had that expectation uh, coming into a season uh, playing for the Lions. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles that pressure. This is Know the Score. 
you can find us on the web at cspn.us. Uh, we're going to take it over to the NBA. They had the All-Star Weekend this past weekend. Team LeBron defeated Team Durant 170-150. to Unfortunately, Kevin Durant could not participate due to a bad hamstring injury that he is nursing right now. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, he was the MVP. He goes 16 for 16 in the game, including two three-pointers, uh, one that he banked in. Um, I can't remember somebody not missing a shot in the All-Star game before. Um, at least not that many shots taken and being perfect. Um, very interesting game, as it always looks like. They're going to break 200, and then in like the third quarter, they kind of slow the scoring down a little bit. Um, it was very interesting. Uh, teammates Damian Lillard and Steph Curry had a, anything you can do, I can do better. Uh, kind of back and forth, shooting from the logos and and and, and such. It looks like a little budding, you know, rivalry uh, between those two guys. Um, so that was fun. Um, Anthony Simons, uh, he won the dunk contest, which took place at halftime. Uh, over Obi Toppin, uh, Steph, he won the three-point contest on the last money ball on the last rack to defeat uh, Michael Conley. So uh, there was your All-Star Weekend, uh, kind of you know uh, microwaved version of it this year, uh, but nonetheless, a uh, very entertaining game. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. I was kind of watching this and AEW at the same time, so. Um, I, I was sucks that we didn't get a chance to see Kevin Durant in the game. Zion looked right. a little nervous. He was missing some some dunks that he should have easily made uh, in his All Star debut. Uh, anything that stuck out to you over the weekend uh, when it came to the All Star break? For me, it was the uh, I'm kind of glad it came and went. I think that. I think the skills challenge was pretty good. The three-point contest was a thriller. Uh, the dunk contest was it wasn't the best dunk dunk contest. It wasn't like a Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon kind of deal, but I think that I, I just don't see the dunk contest being around much longer. Um, all I saw was how everybody was disappointed with the dunks, and there's no originality, blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, you're sitting on your couch and whatever. And, and uh, you know, it's a kind of a good thing the dunk contest was at halftime uh, because I don't think it would have been an I don't think it's going to be around much longer and it's just got to stop and and there's no reason why there's no reason why you know this dunk contest needs to go on I just this isn't it it's just not there anymore it's just well the thing that made that made the dunk contest was that it was full of the stars and once the stars which was probably about 2001 2002 once the real bona fide stars of the league 
started bowing out and it became more of a showcase for the quote unquote younger talent. Yeah, that's when it lost the luster because it's the All-Star Weekend. We don't come here to see, you know, no offense to Anthony Simmons, but one of the, you know, low bottom rotation guys who's, you know, super athletic, but he hasn't done anything in the league. You know what I'm saying? So, so I think that's where the luster of the All-Star game kind of went is, uh, you know, after that, you know, 2000, 2001 era, um, LeBron never doing it definitely hurt it um, you know that definitely took a lot of shine off of it so you know it's it's like it's had a lot of things working against it the past 20 years or so and uh, yeah like you said it's it's kind of on this last little last little legs right here uh, we'll stick with the basketball but we'll go over to college uh, March Madness is here Conference tournaments are taking place. Um, did Gonzaga get upset the other night? I know they were losing with about eight minutes to go, but I didn't catch a final. Uh, let me take a look. I'm pulling that up right now. Uh, they were playing uh, BYU in the final BYU. conference tournament. Uh, we can say that yeah. Duke has been eliminated from the ACC tournament, but not because they lost the game. They lost the uh, battle with COVID testing. Uh, somebody within the program tested positive uh, before the game uh, today. Uh, they were, they were going to play against Florida State, so Duke has been forced to withdraw from the ACC tournament, basically ending their chance at making a miraculous run and participating in this year's NCAA tournament. So more than likely for the first time in like 25 years, Duke will not be a part of uh, March Madness uh, when it comes to the NCAA tournament. I mean, they could always go to the NIT, but I don't think Coach K would subjugate himself to that. Um, Kansas looks like they've uh, straightened themselves out from the mid-season, early season debacle that they had going on. It looks like they uh, are going to end up in the tournament. North Carolina as well. They've uh, righted the ship and and gotten some strong wins to close out the season, so they've they're going to be in the tournament. So they're going to be some familiar faces uh, in this year's tournament. Maybe not the ones that you're used to. Uh, that Gonzaga score? Did you did you see anything on that? Yeah. Yep. Eighty eight seventy eight. Zags won on Tuesday, so they BYU did not pull off the upset. Okay, so. Gonzaga looks like, um, you know, they're going to be a really uh, strong favorite going into the tournament. But everything is going to depend depend on who can stay COVID-free uh, once they get up to Indianapolis and get inside that big bubble. Um, because like you saw with Duke, uh, just, you know, in the last 24 hours, I mean, things can change quickly. And you can go from being hopeful to make a run to, you know, getting on the bus headed home. Um, get ready to quarantine for two weeks. So, um, good luck to everybody in their conference tournaments. Good luck to the little guys uh, that always makes March Madness what it is, the Cinderella moments, the upsets, the buzzer beaters. Um, 
looking forward to it. It's going to be a, it's been a different year this year with a whole bunch of different cast of characters uh, in the top 10 and, and at the top of the league, Michigan, uh, with Jawan Howard in his second year, has looked very strong all year long. They're going to be a contender for the national championship as well. The Big Ten in general, are, they might get like nine teams uh, this year. They, they've had a really good year as far as the league goes up up and down their league. Um, Baylor, is this the year that Baylor finally cuts down the nets? Can you trust Baylor in the tournament? I don't know. Oklahoma State, they got a whole bunch of stuff thrown around their program um, with their best player. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of intrigue around Oklahoma State. Are they going to, you know, go ahead and sit the tournament out, try to get ahead of maybe some violations, or are they going to just like YOLO it and be like, hey, we got a real good chance to win this tournament with the best player in the country, so let's go in and let's do it. So there's going to be a lot of lot of storylines uh, once Selection Sunday oh, yeah. and that bracket comes out on uh, Sunday night. Yeah, and then uh... – yeah, taking a look at a few of those uh, matchups, like Michigan, I think is going to be dangerous. Illinois, uh, I also think based on Iowa, the Big Ten's been tremendous this year. Um, but we have a lot of a lot of squads that could definitely. Make some noise in the, a, a, a in team, the tournament. A as team well. that I've watched the past couple of weeks, but now injuries have started to kind of creep in on them at the worst possible time. Villanova, Villanova. Yes, um, they lost today. Yeah, man. But they're uh, they when they're cooking and they got all their guys, man. They just make the smart, easy basketball plays, and yeah. it's it's something to watch that and that be a part of the team, of the makeup of the team. Um, you know, they have a, a little bit more experienced team than most people do in college basketball right now. So I'm pretty sure that that, you know, plays into why, the, you know, they, they do the things that they do so well. But uh, like I said, injuries oh. have started to creep up on them. So I don't know how yeah. healthy they're going to be uh, next week. I will also say this. Uh, one team to be aware of right now is Rick Pitino and Iona. Iona is in the Mac. The Gales are in the Mac semis. And because of because they're in the Mac semis, we could be uh, possibly seeing Rick Pitino back to the tournament. That's that's what's yeah. up. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into our last topic before we uh, go to our uh, final thoughts and shouts and thank yous. Uh, we're going to give you a little chance here, Dwayne, to give us a little NHL, uh, you know, recap, uh, wrap up, kind of what's been going on in the league. Uh, I know Tom Wilson's been in the news for a vicious hit. Um, that's probably going to get him suspended for quite a while. Um, we had a retirement a from uh, the, one of the Blackhawks, uh, key defenseman retired. And uh, I'll let you take it from there. All right, yes. Uh, so, yeah, basically with the Tom Wilson situation, he definitely had a vicious, vicious hit, uh, which, uh, which basically – 
Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. It's going to be a long time. Like I said, he's out for a long time. Uh, that's a huge blow for the that's a huge blow for Washington because he's basically the enforcer. And, and when you have somebody uh, right now, he's suspended for seven games. Uh, it was a, it was a um, hit on uh, Boston Bruins defenseman Brandon Carlo, and after having a hearing, he was out for he was out for seven games, uh, retroactive to March fifth. Um, yeah, then then we did have we did have a few other uh, big big storylines. Uh, Walter Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky's father, who basically was the patriarch of the family and got the great one to be who he is today with his uh, with all the records that he set and it was he passed on today and well not today he passed on a few weeks ago and it was uh, definitely a sad day uh, in the world of hockey but it was really a celebration because without his teachings to Wayne, we would have never seen uh, Wayne Gretzky tear up the record books, uh, basically put the NHL uh, in the national stage in the 80s and 90s with the Stanley Cup wins with Edmonton, then going to Los Angeles afterwards, which is probably one of those if you watch King's Ransom, the 30 for 30, um, that was basically one of the uh, status days in Edmonton Oilers history. And and uh, although uh, Gretzky did get the Kings to the Stanley Cup in 93, they ended up losing to the Montreal Canadiens, who won their 24th Stanley Cup and to date the most recent Stanley Cup. Uh, as well, um, this this um, season has been the season has been really kind of with the with the hodgepodge of teams in everybody's division. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are still the team to beat in this in the Discover Central Division. Tampa Bay. Is they're, trying to get out there 38 points. They're one point in uh, front of my Carolina Hurricanes. They are. They are. And the Hurricanes they are off to the best start in franchise history. Uh, the last time the Hurricanes were, the last time the Hurricanes had a previous best start, they won the Stanley Cup in 2006. Uh, right behind the Hurricanes are the Florida Panthers. Uh, who are probably the surprise of the season. Nobody really expected anything out of the Florida Panthers. Um, of course, the Panthers are the new um, affiliate, their AHL affiliate who are playing right now are the Charlotte Checkers, which was the former affiliate of the Carolina Hurricanes. So, uh, and then the Chicago Blackhawks hold the fourth spot in the Discover Central Division. Um, the National Predators, who have they're disappointing, and I actually wrote an article today that's out on the Hockey Writers, basically 
talk about their injury woes and how it's creating new opportunities for guys. But uh, underachieving Preds team this season, uh, twenty they're eight points out of that final spot, and with a third of their salary pretty much out with injuries, that's going to be a tough hill to climb. Um, the top four in the East Division, the New York Islanders, who are actually undefeated at home this season. They have not lost in regulation. Uh, the Capitals, the Penguins, Boston leads Philadelphia by a point for that fourth and final spot in the East. In the North Division, the Canada Division, uh, Toronto, the Maple Leafs, are tied with the Lightning for the most points in the NHL with 30, 38. Then you have Edmonton, 34, Winnipeg, 33. Montreal got 31, and they leave Vancouver by five points in that Every, division. Everybody knows. Shout out to the late, great um, Brody Lee, Mr. Brody Lee. Everybody knows that for the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's all about the playoffs. They have these great seasons, and then they get in the playoffs, and they usually lose in the first round. So, for them, for them, you know, they're a great team right now. They're playing really good, but we'll see in two more months. Um you know, where they're at, how they're looking coming into the playoffs, and if they can finally make that long-awaited run back to the conference finals or even the uh, Stanley Cup finals. Yes, and the Maple Leafs actually have the longest drought of of the uh, they have the longest drought right now in the NHL. They have not won a, the Stanley Cup since 1967. And that is, and they've never won the President's Trophy either in their illustrious history. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. The last time, ever since the NHL went into divisions and conferences, the Maple Leafs have not been there. Um, Finally, in the West, um, the Vegas Golden Knights, who make me sick to my stomach personally, uh, they are first in the division with 32 points. The St. Louis Blues, the 2019 Stanley Cup champs, are in second with 32. The Minnesota Wild are at 31. The Colorado Avalanche lead the LA Kings, who make me even more sick, and the Arizona Coyotes by two points. And then bringing up the rear are the Ducks and the San Jose Sharks, which is, to me, of no surprise. Um, and then you got the doormats, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, and the aforementioned San Jose Sharks. Um, right now, uh, I think the biggest news also in, in hockey right now is the NHL is going back to ESPN. Uh, ESPN, there'll be a seven year multi-platform deal basically NBC is shutting down uh, their sports network NBCSN uh, and the NHL virtually basically needed a new home and ESPN uh, they already have games on ESPN plus so uh, NHL TV is going to move to ES 
ESPN Plus as well. And games will also be on Hulu. And 25 games on ESPN and NHL. Of course, they'll have a conference finals as well as the Stanley Cup on ABC. Yeah, very good for hockey um, to get back into the limelight of ESPN, having them be a part of their flagship coverage. You know, ESPN does have a way of putting that hype machine behind you, uh, especially for your playoffs and things like that. So hockey definitely will have an uptick in viewership and just, uh, you know, be a part of the major landscape with ESPN's promotion. So that's a good deal for them. ESPN gets it back on the cheap. Um, you know, because, you know, they need a home. So uh works out for both parties in this case. Absolutely. All right, Absolutely. Mr. Dwayne, I'll turn it over to you, sir, for your final thoughts, shout-outs, and thank yous. Oh, uh, yes. So I would, I would basically say uh, shout-out to – Kyle Larson, uh, and I and I and I say this because I say this because I was one of those people who was pretty upset with Larson uh, being him being a minority himself, him going through the drive through diversity. And him saying the N-word and over the live stream and everything. But I'm going to say that, you know, as much as we're in this cancel culture, which is, you know, you definitely want people to be accountable for their stuff. But people also got to go through the redemption as well. And... The best apology is change behavior. And so at first I was a little disgusted that Larson won uh, this past Sunday in uh, Vegas. It was Vegas, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Vegas. Yeah. So I was a little disgusted. My dad kind of put it in perspective. He's like, well, everybody deserves a second chance. So I kind of took what he said into consideration. So what I did was I watched the interview he had, you know, last year with uh, James Brown. And I also, while I watched the interview, I saw uh, people that he worked with, uh, people that he mentored, how they felt about it, and and the conversations that he had. But I think what really kind of made change my tune on Larson was the fact of the things that he did that, James Brown talked about with Gail King after the interview was aired is the things that he did away from the cameras, away from, you know, the spotlight. He wasn't doing it for publicity. He wanted, he really wanted to be better. And, you know, going to the museums in Montgomery you know, going through, talking to different people, learning more about what, you know, we have gone through. And then also, you know, having those conversations, those difficult conversations with not just Bubba Wallace, you know, which is a good start, but you have different conversations with 
everybody outside, you know, just normal everyday people. So learning that and seeing what he did aside and away from the camera kind of made me think, okay, you know, I can, you know, I can give a second chance, you know, because we all deserve it. Like, heck, I know I've done things where I don't deserve second chances. I got them anyway. So who are me to judge? So salute to Kyle Larson. Congrats on the win. And even more props to you for rectifying your mistakes, being accountable and doing the work necessary away from the spotlight to really want to have change. All right. Um, that's very interesting that you talked about Mr. Kyle Larson. That's a very good race uh, this past weekend as well. The guys were really um, on the wheel and uh, showed a lot of uh, good driving this past weekend. Uh, my final thought is uh, 50 years ago to the day on Monday we had the uh, fight of the century between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Um, this was the biggest sporting event or the biggest event in the whole world on March 8th, 1971. Um, as boxing historian Burt Sugar said, they came dressed in their finest furs and their biggest hats, and those were the men. Um, this was a must-have ticket. Um, you know, Frank Sinatra got in posing as a ringside cameraman. Uh, if you watched the movie American Gangster, this is the night that Frank Lucas uh, got on the New York police's uh, radar um, because you know, you know, this was a, a who's who event of you know the biggest celebrities and stars. Um, in, in the United States basically showed up for this fight and the two gentlemen did not disappoint. It lived up to everything that it was billed to be. Um, Joe Frazier, he won the tournament that was held after Muhammad Ali was stripped of the title when he refused to go into the draft. Uh, so, you know, there was the tone of, you know, he wasn't the real champion. He never beat Ali for the belt. Muhammad Ali playing that up, calling himself the people's champ. Not to mention that the time and the era, uh, there was still a lot of change going on for black people, a lot of struggle. Uh, Muhammad Ali was seen as the the voice of the younger generation, the people moving forward. Uh, Joe Frazier was seen as kind of the, the, the fighter for the older guard, the more established um, folks in the community. So there was a lot of... Uh, back and forth uh, amongst that, uh, you know, dynamic as well. But the fight itself was uh, one of the greatest spectacles you could ever watch. Uh, ABC Sports did a great job of uh, airing, re-airing the fight. Um, they digitalized it and re-aired it last Sunday. Uh, they had uh, Andre Ward uh, sit in and kind of, you know, just talk about it. Um, the 13th, 14th, and 15th rounds may be the greatest rounds in all of boxing as far as championship rounds go um in the 13th round uh you see flashes of the butterfly muhammad ali comes out and he is up on his toes and he is just ripping off shots to joe frazier just clean shots and it's like whoa then in a 14th round 
Muhammad Ali showed his courage because he'd been taking these left hooks all night and he'd not been showing any effects. He'd been shaking his head. But around around 10, around 11, you could start to see that those hooks were starting to get catch up with him. And in the 14th round, Joe Frazier caught him, yo-yoed him. He probably should have went down, but he didn't. The fighter instinct kept him up. And for the next minute and a half or so, he was out on his feet. Uh, didn't go down, though. Survived that round. Then in the 15th round, as Joe Frazier put it, he clipped the wings of the butterfly as he hit him with this bodacious left hook. And Muhammad Ali touched the canvas for the very first time in his career. Got up, finished that 15th round, but he lost the fight by decision. It's Joe Frazier. Uh, you know, retained the heavyweight championship. Um, this was a very pivotal moment in the career of Joe Frazier. This is probably the pinnacle of his career. Um, he nearly died to win this fight. Uh, after the fight, he Ooh. had to be rushed to the hospital. Yeah, his body began to shut down. They had to literally pack him in ice uh, to keep his uh, body temperature from spiking too high. Uh, he spent a month in the hospital. Um, Muhammad Ali also had to go to the hospital, but he went in and checked back out within like an hour. That was, you know, he didn't want to let Joe Frazier know that he hurt him uh, that bad. But uh, yes, uh, the thriller in Manila probably is the most famous of the three fights. Uh, but this was the very first one. And yes, if you've never seen it, uh, I would suggest if you're a sports fan, please go back and watch it because it's definitely um, just a profile and courage. It's a, you know, just a big, 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 big deal. I mean, really, really big deal. More people watched that fight in the United States than the World Series, the uh, Super Bowl, and the Kentucky Derby. So, I mean, like I said, it's the, it was the biggest event in the world on March 8th, 1971, and uh, 50 years to the day, this past Monday, um, it, it happened. So, uh, just shout that out. So, um, just give a shout out to Dwayne, uh, everybody here on the CSPN who continues to listen to us. Please check out the extra content over on the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash CSPN. Continue to support and uh, keep the podcast free by supporting our sponsors on the tab that says keep our podcast free at the top of the CSPN.us page. Do some shopping and uh, some of your purchase comes back to help keep the shows free on the CSPN each and every week. So for my co-host... Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.